0: Test, test, got my new lavalier mic. Harnessed to my freaking seatbelt. Heading out on this Sunday, it's 11 a.m. Heading down to gym, gonna get some exertions in. Heading to Lowe's, pick some shit up. Coming back. Pick my dog up from a dog date predatory training is what I call it. There, there they are right now. Look at them. Sniffing around, pissing on different types of grass. <clears throat> Ornamental grass. You know I and mean? take my son to a seven-on-seven football practice that he's trying to worm his way out of. He's got a girlfriend now says, yeah, we're just hanging out. Well, she spent, I don't know, four or five hours with us yesterday on sitting, laying on a couch in his arms in our living room. And then we went to, uh, to dinner. Took her out to dinner with the rest of the family. Had a good time. And uh, settled in last night. Watched The Gray Man. I was listening to a Joe Rogan podcast. I guess he's got a <clears throat> the author of said book series—it's like a super spy book, you know, like a unofficial, you know, unofficially working for untraceable, working for the CIA, government, and doing these things that so they can have plausible deniability, all that shit. Pretty good book. I like. I like, or um, rather, pretty good. I was hauling ass, running in boots, no less, fucking motivator, um, I liked what I heard about the pot, you know, from the podcast, it was like a guy, I guess he was doing something in the tech industry. And he hated it, and he always liked to read, so he started writing a little bit, and it took him like 20 years to finish his first book, and now he knocks one out like, you know, a couple books out a year. That's pretty, I love stories like that, you know? So anyway, today is the 19th of February in the year 2023, it's a little overcast, Already forty-five degrees, so like I said, I'm gonna tackle some uh, items off my to-do list today and philosophize a little bit. So, regarding my book, exciting that I got a I reached out to an artist, a tremendously talented artist. Friend of mine, he's done a lot of my caricature type work. Like if you've seen my office sign, seen some of the Doctor Drill stuff a lo- over the years, <clears throat> he did it all. He can take your face and put you put an expression on it, kind of like a cartoon, kind of like a really good avatar. So I tasked him. I consulted him about creating this book, the cover for this book, something that would illustrate the purpose of it. Remember, I was. Between those two um, two choices so far, as to the title, I said it could be called Exercising the Demon, or Just Making Motivation with Dr. Drill, Story of Dr. Drill, Story of Rising Above, and by the way, that's one of the things that I want to um, really, I, I think, is going to be the good stuff in a book. Like, I can tell you, right now I'm um, comprised some composing chapters that are all about, you know, where I'm from and how I my epiphany and <coughs> join the Marine Corps, and the Marine Corps kind of stripped me of any of my nonsense and just made me a, like a warrior robot, really and taught me some things, I also learned about people, I learned some core values and things that were worth fighting for, fighting to attain, and then to retain, like integrity, you know, discipline, loyalty, all these things, they're some of the Marine Corps traits, that are just good for general life, all this stuff is good, is useful for general life, you don't have to be a warrior, in fact, it's probably best that you don't, <coughs> you are not a warrior, um, So I did some writing Friday night, Friday day. Right now I'm in the fleet Marine force. I'm adding some, some things here or there, trying to add some images. I still have my uh, learning objectives and, um, my practical application, which is like, you know, immediate action rather. What are you going to do? How are you going to? have this experience, you know, or the lesson learned that I extracted from this particular period of my life. And so I'm talking about the Fleet Marine Force now. That's when you get out of boot camp and out of your job training or MOS training in the military and you start actually doing your job now. So you're out of that classroom environment. You're out of that kind of stuffy, oh, we're evaluating you. And it was still very stressful school environment. like this. You're always, there's always some test, and there's always a test in life as well, right? It's like people want to get out of high school or college because they're tired of being in a classroom and always taking tests and all this stuff. Hey, teacher, leave them kids alone and stuff. But life is like that every day, really. There's tests you take, and it's the same test over and over again. A lot of times. So, I'm out at the Fleet Marine Force and I met my leaders, platoon sergeant, platoon commander, first sergeant, company gunnery sergeant. So my immediate leaders, my platoon sergeant, platoon commander, my squad leaders, platoon guide, describing these people describing some of the roommates that I had early on where you got two or three guys to a room so you either get real close when you live in in such close quarters like that so many uh, other people or you hate each other usually it's a combination you know you're you live together, you laugh together, you experience things together even if you're not like the best of buds you know things about people like where they go Uh, On the weekends, or what kind of music they like, all that shit, you have to, which is right in front of you, what they smell like, what their habits are in terms of grooming, what their routine is like, are they squared away, how easy are they to wake up, all these things. You learn a lot about a person's character. And so one of my roommates, Red, named Joffrey Red, he was a dark green Marine from Tupelo, Mississippi. He was, uh, slender, but well muscled. Probably five, nine. Wasn't particularly tall, but he wasn't short shit either. Red could PT. He was squared away. He liked gospel music. He was a very religious man. He liked the ladies. I remember him, uh, you know, again, living in a tiny little freaking room together. I uh, learned what his habits were. So he always had his Liberty or his Libo clothes, his civilian clothes, very well put together, pressed. He had a nice button down shirt. He had some sort of jeans. And he pressed them, nice pair of shined up shoes, and then he had some jewelry, and he would, he would put a um, cologne, a big cologne back in the day, was jupe, and jupe was like, came in a purple or pink bottle, and I, it's indescribable, I can smell it, it's like, it's like uh, Southern Comfort, you know, if you've had any dealings with that. Growing up, you, you never forget the smell of Southern Comfort. Or the taste, or the burn as it goes down your throat. Well, jupe was like that. It was very pungent, very... Um, almost could be like a woman's perfume. But it was a cologne. It was something that men put on and Maybe it was to attract the women. Now, red... With two Ds... He loved the ladies, and he got his his fancy duds on. He'd go out in town, his whole routine, getting dressed, and then hanging out on the catwalk in front of our room while his buddies got ready, and they all went out in town and looked for some sort of good time. And uh, read to smoke Newports. Smoke them in bed at night. You know, he'd be listening, big earphones on. And he would listen to <clears throat> gospel music. And he would be like, Oh, Lord, Lord. Kind of sound like that. It didn't, his singing doesn't sound good. Neither did mine, of course. But he would just, oh my God, all night droning into the wee hours of the morning. Lord, yes." Yeah. Some of it was like gospel, but it was also kind of like R and B ish. So he he grooving, and, and he had walked by in the middle of the night. We were supposed to be sleeping. He's listening to gospel and uh, smoking a cigarette. I just see the the cherry of his Newport glowing there. Red is a good guy, you know. So we spent we weren't especially close, but we were friends. We lived together. We we knew more about one another than the rest, and I, began, being able, I uh, began to really appreciate the guy, I developed a love for him, we trained together, and we friggin', you know, sat in fighting holes together, and patrolled throughout the, wherever the hell we were at, did our training, did our deployments, and he was just a good fucking guy. Red was shot in the head, he's a police officer, he was shot in the head two weeks ago, trying to thwart this um, this criminal activity, it was inside a library, I don't know all the details on it, but basically... Basically, um, he showed up at the scene. Sounds like it was 1230 in the morning. You know, it was, it was just, just the afternoon just began, and he and his partner went over there. Sounds like his partner was a rookie. And read the veteran, having been with the Memphis Police Department force since uh, 2008, I read. And I hadn't had much contact with red over the years so like almost 30 years goes by you know how strange is it that 30 years goes by and red has had good days and bad days and he was married and probably married a couple times sounds like and he had some daughters and he had his life carved out down there in uh Mississippi, Tennessee, Memphis. I've been with the force for almost, you know, for, he was working on 20 years, working on a career, retirement, you know. He was also very active in the church, as I mentioned, so he was the head of security for his church. I think he was a minister or something as well. Seen pictures of him in robes and so, you know, like minister, priest robes, whatever. <clears throat> so, here's this guy that I served with that I was closer than close with, but I hadn't physically seen or had a phone call, heard his voice, anything for almost 30 years. And then the next time I, I hear any news about him, he's been shot in the head and is in intensive care. So he just passed, I believe it was uh, Friday. I had read accounts that he was breathing on his own and he was, his vitals were good. And, and all of a sudden it's just, yep. Red's gone. I just can't believe that. Even though, again, we had no. I had not seen him for a very, very long time. And we weren't close enough friends to visit each other or even give Facebook shouts or anything like that. But I loved the guy. I appreciated him. And. It just, I don't know, it's a, its a lesson. Is it? It's like, it's pointlessness, senselessness, you know, just, <clears throat> as I think about this stuff, you know, I, I'll ponder the big questions of life sometimes, you know, and I've got a, a lot of friends who are very religious, and, you know, they, what is this, what is it, was this fate? You know, that this office lawman, this guy who's trying to trying to keep his community safe and raise a family and do all that shit, he gets shot by some perpetrator in the head and passes away. His life is over. He just got remarried. And that just sucks. It's almost, it's, it's, uh... <laughs> Insulting to me, to him, to say that this is uh, this was fate, or this was preordained, or this, um, or even that it was chance—just the universe, you know, this t- wrong place, wrong time, wrong situation. You know, Memphis is, I believe, was the town where they just had those four or five cops beat the shit out of that young black man and he died. So I'm sure that red and the rest of his, um, the police, you know, down there, they were walking on eggshells and trying to firm up their ties in the community and demonstrate the protect and serve as much as they could. You know, following that incident, and here my buddy. You know, he's a good man. He was, like I said, a God-fearing man. He's a community leader and just a good dude. So I think that he. Who knows? I, I haven't read the circumstances of, you know, the detail. Tale of the tape of, you know, confronting this villain in a fucking library. Pulls a gun out and shoots my friend. But it just sucks, man. And so, makes me want to write my book even more. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add a, some stories about Red. He definitely was a pretty cool guy, very funny. My friend, I told him, he didn't know that Red had, had died. So I told him what I knew and shared the article. And he's like, yo, Red was hilarious, man. He said, one time we went out to 108. That was, um, a club, like a dance club in Jacksonville, club 108. And so he goes there and Red was really drunk. And he was kind of like harassing some women, like picking them up, trying to, you know, hit. He would hit on them, and then when they would decline his advancements, he would uh, whatever say something. Or they did that to enough women in the drunken state that they, when they left, (laughs) he said when they drove out of the parking lot, there were some women, (laughs) some girls were throwing rocks at the car, chasing them away. I mean, this isn't, look, I'm sure this guy, he's done a lot of great things. You know, we all have a past shit. You probably tell stories. I could tell stories about old things that I did. But just the fact of the matter was we were between 18 and 22 years of age when we were enlisting, and this was probably in the beginning of that. So we were frigging teenage boys and uh, masquerading as men, as warriors. And so on our spare time, we would go out and we would raise hell. And we'd get in a little trouble and it's all you really wanted. You're two things when you're that, in that sort of culture, when you get time off, either you're looking to get laid or, and if anybody gets in your way, there's going to be a scrap, a fight, some sort of peacocking, you know, posturing up, <clears throat> strutting your stuff. So imagine just thousands upon thousands of, of, uh, Marines and sailors in that area, just peacocking around. And because there's so few women, <laughs> um, you're not really going to find the love of your life there. And if you do find a woman, it's prob- probably going to come with so much baggage. Just because there's so many so many men, they got all they want, all they can choose from. And they usually didn't want us. So we'd go out and get trouble and get in fights. It's just, it's one of the hazards of, uh, you you expect these risk, these, uh, young men who are prone to risk taking, taking the risk. You expect them to go, you know, live in a town. All they're doing all day, all week long is training to kill. And then, on Friday, they get off at 4, you know, 5 p.m., if they're lucky, and they get to kind of act like they're a normal citizen. What are they going to do? They're going to drink. They're going to fight. And they're going to try to get laid. So me and Red and the rest, we that's a big part of what we did. So a uh, friend of mine, one of our fellow Marines, Bryant, he sent me the article because we knew that he had been shot. It looked like he was, uh, he was on the men though. Like he might make it. And, uh, he sent me the, right from the men. this PD that, uh, he had not, he had died. Red. And I like it. muster up was fuck. What do you say? You know what I mean? People will say things like, uh, I'm um, sorry for your loss, which is typical. I never I never like that choice of words. Not about me. I mean, I certainly mourn the loss of a friend, but it has very little to do with me. I mean, this guy leaves behind a family and comrades in the police department, a church and all this shit. And all these people have to try to make sense of how this guy, who was a good man, is no longer in their life because of some bullshit. You know, it's terrible. Criminal, he was shot. He was killed on the scene after he shot Red. Red's partner shot and killed the bad guy. And so at least there's some justice in that sense, you know, the guy's not going to be. Put up three hots in a cot by the taxpayers. Right, it's just crazy, man. <clears throat> so, as terrible as this is, I'm going to put my frustration, transform it into into inspiration, and I'm going to write a chapter about red and about all the people, that mentioned earlier. I think one of the most important things in telling this story is that there's some good, you know, there's something, a, a teachable moment, a an epiphany, um, something funny, something entertaining, something heartwarming about human beings uh, rising above challenges, you know. So I want to make sure I get that in there. I, I can do that by personifying the story, you know, telling, using some of these colorful characters that I love so much to drive a point home or punctuate, you know, whatever kind of point I'm trying to make. If we're going to exercise the demon, that that suggests that there's something, whether it be chance or Satan or whatever the fuck. Or something within us, which I, I believe both are within us. All the good and the bad and everything else in between. It's all within us. We're capable of all these things. We might not think we are, but... <clears throat> so how can we learn from our mistakes, work on ourself, become better? Through physical and mental efforts you know, strive to improve all right that's enough maybe i'll do a second podcast in a bit again february 19th 2023 going to title this podcast fallen carp uh, fallen comrade <laughs>